Hi everyone, it's your old pal Ben, and I'm happy to let you know that I made it back to Baltimore from Tuscany. So yes, that means the searchers will continue to make its way down the path looking for new, lesser known films for you all to check out, which I hope is good news to most of you. This week, Chris decided to be a trooper and agreed to watch not one, but three movies with me. Thanks, Christopher, for enabling us at The Searchers to be able to provide extra content this week for our fine listeners. Next episode, we will be covering a slightly more popular film that Chris chose, which I will leave as a surprise. However, I will let everyone know that it is directed by Abbas Kiarostami. I think I pronounced that right. You know, we, we focus on pronunciation here at The Searchers. So please look forward to that one in two weeks' time. And with that, welcome to this week's episode, Medieval Browdown. What's up, bro? What, bro? What's up, bro? Take a swing, bro. Right here, bro. What makes you the authority, bro? West Side Story, bro. What, bro? Sweeney Todd, bro. What, bro? What, bro? Merrily we roll along, bro. Why you gotta disrespect, bro? I do respect you, bro. Show some respect, bro. I do respect you, bro. You stop disrespecting, bro. I respect you, bro. Okay, I respect you, too. Okay. The bro down is over. Let's bro out. Bro out. Covering Ivanhoe, mm-hmm. The Knights of the Round Table, and The Adventures of Quentin Durwood. Known as an official or unofficial trilogy? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say we're going to get into the, the details in a minute, but the reason I picked these is because I wanted to cover Ivanhoe, but then we we did our new criteria for the podcast where we would do stuff that we haven't seen, which Ivanhoe I've seen a lot, but to explain... Um, I was going to choose Quentin Durwood and then you, uh, you're a glutton for punishment and said, yes, I will do the other two because my name's Chris and I'm crazy, crazy Christopher over here. So we decided that is me. not one, not two, but three movies in one episode, uh, which is not, it's not our first time. So it's, it's okay. We, this is, this is a thing that we do. It's becoming an MO. So, oh, well. We buy we buy the bundle pack, the buy one get two or the buy one get three. That's or six. That's us. Or six. One or twelve. Whatever. You know, we'll do a hundred one time. Who knows? You just have to dare us. Please. So yeah, I, I, I picked these three movies and I'm very excited to talk about them. Um Ivanhoe was a I I think I showed you pre recording, but I have the VHS here from nineteen ninety uh, that I grew up on. Taxi looking VHS people. Yeah, got uh So yeah, Ivanhoe starring Robert Taylor, Elizabeth Taylor, Joan Fontaine, George Sanders and uh uh there's a lot of names on this one. It's a big uh big list of British uh stars or I guess co-stars. So we'll we'll, we'll save that. But yeah, directed by Richard Thorpe. Uh as you said earlier, it's an unofficial trilogy because all three of these movies were directed by Richard Thorpe. Um out of MGM Studios in Britain, Robert Taylor was a MGM studio, you know, 
20 year or 25 year i think you i think you might have been with them for 25 years which is unheard of now but back in the studio systems that's probably it was standard par for the course yeah yeah and just to clarify both the taylors in the cast robert taylor and elizabeth taylor are not related they are not related not blood related this is good yes Robert Taylor, I, I don't know about Liz, Elizabeth Taylor, but Robert Taylor was not his uh, birth name. His birth name was pretty. Uh, oh, that's right. His birth name was it's, is ridiculous. It's, it's bizarre, but he didn't go by his, his his father's name was his first name, too. He got named after his father, but had a different middle name. So he went by his middle name. His full name was Spangler Arlington Bruh. <laughs> I, or Bruh. I think it's Bruh. Brew? Brew? Bruh? Brew, Brew, Brew? Brew? Brew, probably. And, but, but he went by. Do you Ar- say the G? In Bruges, this, 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 he went by Arlington or Arley, I believe, was what people called him. And then creative one thing led to a hundred other things, and he he ended up in Hollywood. Oh, actually, he he ended up in Hollywood for music. I think he was a cellist. Okay. And then got cool. got into acting. But long story Spangler short, Spangler is a unique name. I have never heard that name before. Really? Maybe except for a dog. Uh, I I think Spangler's like one of those new agey like oh let's name my my little daughter Spangler like that's a thing I I believe I know someone named Spangler like that's under the age of five. in 2023 that's that's a thing for sure the names today are crazy come on oh, I won't deny Benjamin, that Benjamin Christopher look at those good good classic names solid three syllable names they are and and we're talking about a trilogy. Yes. Hey, hey bring, it, bring it back. So, yeah, the first one's Ivanhoe. Um, I'll just get it out of the way with the who's, you know, the crew uh, produced by Pandro S. Berman, who was a MGM producer for, again, like just like Taylor. I think he did it for his maybe his entire career, at least 20 years, did a lot of movies for him. Cinematography by Freddie Young, or also known as F.A. Young, probably best known for uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Shivago, Ryan's Daughter, all of which won the Academy Award for Best Cinematography. So this movie looks good. It looks good. And to Freddie Young's credit, like those are having not seen any of those movies. Myself, what? Which which is a bit of a travesty, I shall say. I've seen one out of one point two out of. The three. I've seen a little bit of Dr. Shivago, but Lawrence of Arabia. Come on, man. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those gaping holes in my cinema quest. But I'm also it's not because any of them are long movies. I haven't seen them. I just haven't seen them because I will tackle a long, a good long. movie. I was, I was about to accuse you of being a little bit of a pansy when it came to the length, because it is. I think they're all I don't know about Ryan's, Ryan's daughter. Ryan's daughter's like four. Yeah, Ryan's daughter's. They're like all the four-hour movies. So four-hour movies, I think. Yeah. Freddie Young liked the. He liked to go long. Yeah, and Dave, David Lean was the same way. I think if I if you took an average of all of his I, movies, I think they were on the two-plus side pretty frequently. He did uh, Bridge of the River Kwai, right? I believe he did. Yes. That movie's sick. So, David Lean, a uh, little shout out to him. I don't think he needs it, but moving on. The composer and who did the music for this movie, Miklos Rosa, uh, I believe a Czechoslovakian or a Hungarian, one or the other. Which one, Chris? Help me out. I would say Czechoslovakian. 
and we that's are just both, my it's he's hungarian i was <laughs> i remember from reading but yes uh the music in this movie uh do you want to well you want to save it until after we no, go through what, all three let's let's do the music let's hook these people in all right so so one of the best things i like about all three movies we'll talk about the other two and we'll we'll segue with this Ivanhoe music. Yes. I'm it's something it that immediately catches your attention. It's epic, very grand and majestic. Yes. Blaring horns, just very sturdy, epic music. A little bit. And all mid- three of them medievalish. Medievalish, yes. All three of them have this tone with their music. It's very dynamic. And a lot, lot of energy. And along with the music, I would say the set production and production design are the best and strongest constants among the three films. Yes. And we will get... How long... Uh, we will get into more of that production, the production stuff details, but should I Definitely. leave this music going for the entire thing? Because it's pretty dope. I think it automatically makes the podcast better. Yes, I'll uh, I'll turn it down a bit, but yes. Um, so, yeah, costumes, the, as Chris said, the production design, very good. The costumes for the first two movies that we are covering are were designed by Roger K. First, and he did, I believe these would be like his top movies that he's known for. Um, I think he might have helped. I think he helped on uh, Spartacus, which is another big name movie. Have you seen that one, Chris? Yes. Yes, I have. It's been a while since I have. But yeah, so he helped on the production design there. But the costume design he did was his main. I mean, I'd say it's a big film just because it's Kubrick. 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 Uh, But but yeah, he did a lot of uh, Mr. First did a lot of, um, I think, stage. I think he did a lot of stage stuff, like Shakespearean stuff with like Lawrence Olivier. And that's kind of where he cut his teeth and then made it to film. And it'd be appropriate for medieval times though, all the way around it's full circle. Have you been to medieval times? I have. That shit is awesome. It is awesome. And when you're a 10 year old and you're like, I'm eating chicken on a bone and watching people joust. It is (laughs) dope. It is. And you get to pick your team. Like you get to root for your team. Yeah, and mine won awesome. the first time. It was out of this that's world. That's awesome. And yeah, I think we, we were the, we were the Green Knight, which I think was evil at the time. But uh, yeah, it's great, great little show, and it's awesome for I would want to say for all ages, but I I went as a ten year old also, <laughs> and it was a great time. Yes. So speaking of the music, real quick, I do want to play this scene. It's not it's Robert Taylor on a horse singing. I don't think it's him singing. It, it's definitely not him singing in real, like while they're filming, but I believe the dub is his actual voice. So I do want to uh, share this just because. Lay it on us, boy. Yes. Uh, here we go. My heart was a lion, but now it is It's got that little bard action. Love it. Yeah, I love it. Little, uh, what's that? What do they call that? A loot? A loot. Dude, we need to get some loots and play medieval music. 
You and I can start a loot band, and we can wear tights. He's kind of... <laughs> yes, he was wearing tights. Uh, so, yeah, I'll pause it there. That I just... There's a... It's a little bit longer. Like, he's going from castle to castle. They got this very nice... It's it's not widescreen, but very nice cinematography of some castles in... Um, presumably... The movie was filmed in Britain, but I think they're... I want to say they're not, they're not British castles. I would say either Scottish or like German or something. They look very German to me, but regardless. I would say Scottish, but I was wrong the first time when I guessed something. So Chris don't count about, on me. Don't trust him for nationalities ever. Speaking of, speaking of nationalities, when this airs, I will just be coming back from Italia. So had, had to, to throw that in there. Had to drop it. Little spicy meatball. <laughs> Yes. Flex. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. No Italians in this movie, though. Unfortunately. Or no, fortunately, it's, it's, depending it's, on who you are. Yeah, I don't think there are, actually. It's all British guys and gals and then like, two Americans. No, three Americans. Americans, some Brits, two Taylors that are not related. This is good. And also, I noticed Richard Thorpe, Robert Taylor, RT squared. Kind of weird. RT, RT. Cue in the, the eerie X-Files nope. music. Nope. I refuse. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of an intro into Ivanhoe. And that movie was then followed to, no, the next year. It was uh, the next year, right? One was 52 and one yeah, was 52. Yeah, 52. Ivanhoe was 52. Knights of the Round Table was 1953. Yes. Again, so, directed by Richard Thorpe, as you said. Yep. And, and they were, away, well, I was just going to say that for the writing, which you can correct me on, original source was different for this one. So the first one, original source was Walter Scott. The Sir original Walter source, Scott. Sir Walter Scott, excuse yes, me. Sir. Second original source <laughs> is, was by Sir Thomas Mallory. And then we'll get to the third movie, Quentin Durwood, but that went back to original source of Sir Walter Scott. Yes. So Knights of the Round Table is the oddball of the three from the OG source when you're comparing them that way. Yes. So this is the Camelot story. I mean, the original, it's, ba it's based off of the original. I don't, I can't, I'm not an arbiter of a lot of things in my life. And Camelot movies is also one of those things that I'm not an arbiter of. But this is uh, Robert Taylor. We're leading you up in the podcast. It's we're gonna subvert expectations. He is not playing King Arthur. He's playing Lancelot. So that's a little bit of a swerve for you guys. Um, and then uh, on his right we have Ava Gardner as uh, Guinevere, Arthur's wife. So it's gonna get hot and spicy, like a spicy meat above, even though it's not no, Italian. No Italians. No Italians. Um, yes, and Mel Ferrer. Ferrer? Is that how you pronounce it? Pronunciation. Yes. My, my, my strong suit. Uh, yes. Mr. Ferrer is King Arthur. We have Anne Crawford, who in my review, which is already posted on Letterboxd, I thought was very good. And then you have Stanley Baker as Modred, which, again, not a, not a Camelot expert. Modred. Is, is it Mordred is the original? And they, they changed his name for this movie, I believe. Something of that Mordred. Sort. I believe Mordred is correct, and then they changed it for the movie. Well, yeah, we're, yeah. I don't know if it's like source material stuff or just like creative 
something they whatever reason, but it, it's different. And then you have uh, don't know the don't know the gentleman, but Felix Aylmer, which is a callback to uh, brain damage. Whoa. Boom! Callback uh, to brain damage. Yes. Wow. Uh, he's playing Merlin, and then uh, some other names I don't know playing other various uh, Arthurian characters. Cinematography again, Freddie Young. And this is of note because it is the first CinemaScope movie from MGM. I did not know that. And it also overlapped composer. So Miklos Rosa, yep. who, which, who composed Ivanhoe, composed this one. And I don't know if you already said this, but the... Have you brought up color process? I don't think so. Color process was Technicolor for Ivanhoe. It was also Technicolor for this movie. Um, and then aspect ratio changes, which we I don't think we've really gotten into that. And the filming locations remain mostly in England, but this movie, Knights of the Round Table, also had some filming locations in Ireland. Yeah, they, they filmed most of it in England, and then they went to Ireland for some action sequences. And there's actually a pretty funny story. For the first two movies in the unofficial trilogy, Richard Thorpe's unofficial medieval trilogy. Uh, the, the second unit director was Yakima Kanut. Did you know that, Chris? I did not. Do you know who that is? No. All right, so not going to go into any big, long diatribe, but he was a Western, a director slash second unit director for a lot of Westerns. He did all the stunt work, uh, a lot of stunt work. He was a stunt man. Did a lot of directing for action scenes for a lot of movies. I do not have a list prepared for the people of the pod, but he worked with John Ford, John Wayne, et cetera, et cetera. So he worked on this movie and the the Ireland locations. Um, it's kind of funny. The British, uh, you know, the what, what's that association for the like the MPAA, the something Motion Pictures something Association. Mm-hmm. Um, found out that they went they went to Ireland and they weren't using uh British extras for like the scenes. So they they like were like, nope, no Irish ex- extras. Unacceptable. So they they took a bunch of soldiers from the British army and were like, all right, you got some free extras. There you go. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But <laughs> that is interesting, yeah. So yeah, this one's in Ireland. Same producer as well. The uh, same producer for all three films, Pandro S. Berman, who uh Again, prolific MGM producer. So, moving on. The the music in this movie was good by Rosa, but I don't, like, remember it as being, like, as good as the other two. I did like Derwood's, even though it was a different composer. I also think with Knights of the Round Table, when they used the music, it wasn't during any... The movie didn't have as many memorable scenes as Ivanhoe or Quentin Derwood, in my opinion. So... When I go back to think about Knights of the Round Table, it just it just seems like a blur of medieval times shenanigans. Yes. That could have happened in Ivanhoe or Durwood. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it was a blur. Definitely I thought it was the weakest one, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um and yes. segue so we'll segue into Durwood. Well, before you go there, this was the okay. last this is the second movie and the last one. Well, there's only three. But it was the last one first. Uh, Roger K. First, the costume designer, was on. Okay. Was worked on. And uh, shout out to one of your, I guess, kind of mine, but more your and Amy's friend, Jetta. Right? Nice. Shout on out her, to Jetta. She, 
she uh, watched this movie and her review uh, mentioned the horse costumes, which I thought were, they were excellent. I mean, if you look at some stills, uh, I think in her review, she actually linked a uh, picture. This is off my memory, Jetta, I swear. Fair, fair enough, actually. And it's a great point to bring up because I do remember a lot of the horse costumes yeah. during the riding scenes, of course. But that's that's a good thing to bring up. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say, like, the production design on this movie is, like, perfect almost. I mean, it's it's really top-tier kind of stuff. It's just, it just wasn't. It didn't wow me in other other parts. Uh, there was a couple of good action scenes, but nothing nothing like Ivanhoe or Durwood. So, like you said, segueing into the third and final. Segueing into Durwood, we yep. can get all these comparisons and differences out of the way, and then we can go more into the opinionated where the searchers land on these movies. Beep, beep, beep. And Quentin Durwood was directed, produced... By the same two men, Richard Thorpe and Pandro Berman, you still have Robert Taylor in the leading role. Leading woman changed to Kay Kendall. Yes. And I thought this was interesting because I recognized Kay Kendall's name, but I knew nothing about her. So when I looked into her profile, I was astounded to see that she had uh, she had died when she was 32 years old. Yeah, fuck she cancer. was from cancer, from leukemia. She fuck that. was married to rex harrison i did not know and yes and when she had met him on set of another movie and they he was married so it was a little bit of an affair thing going on Uh oh he ended up getting divorced from whoever he was married to i don't remember who and he married her knowing what her sickness that she was sick and i think they spent the last two or three years of her life together she and died young. Let, she died young, 32 30, years old. Let, yeah. Legend legend has it, slightly off track, but legend has it that Rex Harrison, during one of his songs in My Fair Lady, which was a musical that came out in the mid-60s, 1963, I think, during one of his songs, where it's a, one of the more emotional songs, I don't know the name of the track, but during one of those songs, he gets teary-eyed and super emotional. And he is supposedly had said in the past that he he thought of Kay Kendall when he had sung the song and tapped into the emotions that he needed for the character. And I thought that was pretty cool. Sort of like a little homage to Kay Kendall after her passing, because 1963, you're talking three or four years after she had died. So all kind of recent stuff and just behind the scenes for the Hollywood for all you Hollywood gossip, you know, E exclamation Hollywood story people. Cla- classic Hollywood fans like Kevin, who's not here. Damn it, yeah, Kevin. Kevin. Kevin would appreciate that story, I think. And I'm not a huge fan of My Fair Lady, but I Never definitely appreciate I definitely appreciate that angle now knowing Kay Kendall's story. She was not the first choice for the the uh, role as uh Blanking on the name, uh, Countess Isabella. Isabel, that's right. I think so. Mm-hmm. And so she was a comedian, um, Kay Kendall, and she was a British lady. And she had worked with, um, what's his name, Gene Kelly, on a movie. Um, what's it called? I'm I'm blanking. Something with women, less women, lay women. Oh, it's less lay, girls. Lay, lay girls. Lay girls. 
Yeah, yeah. Les girls, lay girls. Le- lay girls. Yeah, it's French. I, I'm assuming. Les girls. Lesbos. <laughs> uh, you went there, huh? No, dis- went there. no disrespect. Fuck off. I got work to do. Uh, but yes, she was not the first pick for the role of Isabella. It was Grace Kelly, which would have made the film super different. Wow. Which, wow. Yes. Wow. Again, classic Hollywood, like, holy shit, Grace Kelly. It would have been great. No, she did Kate Kendall. Because no, she did great. I thought she did a I'm great gonna, job. I'm going to drop a little opinion right now um, that we're going to save the rest for after we finish going through Derwood here. Yes. I think Kay Kendall is the best leading woman out of all three movies. Whoa, so, that is shots fired. Shots fired like at how, Elizabeth Taylor, Joan Fontaine, and Ava Gardner. I like how the, how you drop that in. You're like, no more opinion for a little bit. So you think I'm going to forget. But uh, yeah, we'll, bring we'll it leave it there. Bring it back. Uh, so yes, same. Not the same composer. Um, it, it is Bronislaw Kapur. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, as usual. That was per, good. Per, per usual. Bronislaw, great first name. And I would say that last name's Caper. I'm naming my kid Bronislaw. That is some Chad stuff right there. Come on. Bronislaw Spangler. So this one, the production design, significant costumes, Elizabeth Haffenden. She did, she was the costume designer and I guess maybe, maybe product costume designer for sure. Maybe production designer. Actually, no, I probably guess not because the costumes were, I think, pretty in depth and in detail in this movie. So she probably had her hands full, but she was also involved in other big period pieces. Ben-Hur with uh, my boy Chuck Heston and uh, A Man of All Solid. Seasons. Have you seen A Man of All Seasons, though? Mm-hmm. Paul yes, Schofield. sir. That movie, if I watch it again, it'll go up. It's, uh, yeah, in rating, I mean. It, it, it's much, it is good. Very good. I, I, I'm not like a, a period piece with no action usually doesn't do it for me, and that one does. So that, a is, a big, that is a big endorsement from me. So, Chris. Ben, yes. Okay, no, what were you going to say? A Ben what? Ben says... A Man for All Seasons is good. G-U-D. <laughs> Get good, scrub. Stamp of approval. What are you going to ask me now? Stamp of approval. I was going to ask you, uh, the people that are listening, the current, the current, uh, the three people listening to our podcast after 25 minutes. Holy there crap. are, yes, there are singles of you out there. I was going to say dozens, but that might be too high. <laughs> maybe dozens in a couple weeks maybe. after. Maybe. If we're, maybe, if we're maybe. Enough. So I was going to say, they're probably like, all right, it's been 25 minutes. What the hell is this shit about? But do you want to do the first plot summary for Ivanhoe? If you can read that small to. font. It's pretty small. I would love I to. I'm going to take out my magnifying glass. And Whoops. I will read here from behind the VHS. Correct? Yes, sir. This is from behind the VHS. This is the... So I have the real VHS in front of me and it's in this type of format. And this is if this is from one of those websites where a bunch of film nerds are like, let me make a VHS cover replica of a different VHS, you know, for the, from the real VHS. And they, they put that as their Blu-ray cover. So that's where the source is from. Same text, different design, I think. Awesome. 
Do you want me to read the whole thing or just the second paragraph? Just the, the second paragraph's the plot. The other stuff's fluff. I love me some fluff, though. All right. Read the whole thing. Do it. Subvert my <laughs> expectations. Don't do what I tell you to do. Here's my audition tape for being a voiceover commercial guy. I didn't know your name was Kevin. Oh, come on. Kevin would outdo me in a hot minute. Return to the world of noble knights and blushing maidens, of pretender kings in clashing armor, the world of the greatest medieval adventure of them all, Ivanhoe. Set against the backdrop of 12th century England, this vivid adaptation of the Sir Walter Scott classic brings together the two tailors, Robert and Elizabeth. The story of one brave man's attempt to restore Richard the Lionhearted to the throne stolen by his evil brother, Prince John, Ivanhoe also depicts an unusual dilemma of love. Robert Taylor stars as the intrepid knight-errant who is charmed by not one fair lady, but two. The meltingly dark-eyed Rebecca, Elizabeth Taylor, and the stately Saxon princess, Rowena, Joan Fontaine. In chilling contrast to these tender lovers, there is George Sanders as the malevolent Desbois Gilbert? Gilbert. Ivanhoe's deadly Gilbert. Ivanhoe's deadly enemy and constant threat. Presenting some of the most spectacular fighting sequences ever filmed, Ivanhoe is a rich, dramatic picture. The action is full-scale and vigorous, presented with obvious relish. Saturday Review. It's classic fiction made into classic entertainment. And now you gotta continue reading all of the cast numbers. No, I'm kidding. I can go through the list. I made one mistake, no, folks. No. What can I say? No, it's, it's good. Well, you were trying to pronounce a French name. And sometimes we screw that up on this podcast. If you didn't, if you want to know, if you want to know how to pronounce things, do not come here. I'm telling you right now. Especially if they're French. Stay away. Stay away. Very good. Very good. So, yes, it's a love triangle romance story inside of a adventure story of, of, you know, in a lot of Robin Hood movies, he's trying to restore Richard the Lionheart. But in this one, it's, it's Ivanhoe. Not sure if. I don't think Sir Walter Scott had anything to do with Robin Hood story, so take it for what you will. Do we want to continue talking about Ivanhoe for a bit, or do we want to get all the plots out of the way? Let's get all the plots out of the way, and then we can kind of do a um, free-for-all talking about opinions and comparisons of all three movies. All right, so am I reading the next one? Yes, sir. Okay. You, can, yeah, you don't have to was do the whole a, thing. Was that a question? I'm doing the whole thing. I, I, I have to do it now. <laughs> All yeah. right, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Are there any French and, names in here? Yeah, there are, and I'm, I'm screwed already. There's fucking French names, and I'm fucked. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. Actually, one's Morgan Le Fay, so I think you're good there. All right, here we go. Big subtitle heading, the classic version of The Legend of Camelot, exclamation point. Boom. Begin with Sir Thomas Mallory's classic Le Morte de Arthur, a story of idealism, tragic love, deception, and intrigue. Add to this the magnetic star power of Robert Taylor, Ava Gardner, and Mel Ferrer, combined with the unmistakable MGM style and superb Technicolor photography and a lavish production, and you have the fabulous extravaganza, Knights of the Round Table. The newly crowned king of all England, Arthur Pendragon, dedicates his reign and the fellowship of the Knights of the Round Table to the ideals of peace, justice, and chivalry. Supporting Arthur in his vision are his beloved queen, Guinevere, the noble Sir Lancelot, and the mysterious Merlin. Lancelot and Guinevere, however, are torn between their secret love for one another and their loyalty to Arthur. Plotting against Arthur, all the while, are his wicked half-sister, Morgan Le Fay, and Modred. 
All the pageantry and splendor of the age are here, from the rousing battle sequences and the colorful jousting tournaments to the sweetness of romance at the time when knighthood was in the flower. Knights of the Round Table is a spectacular entertainment that will sweep you away to another era. End frame. Boom. Mic drop. And you gave me the movie that I don't, that I like the least. Thanks, Chris. I see how it is. Solid. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers to that, man. <laughs> Cheers. Very no, that, good. No, that was, honestly, I love these VHS cover, like, just like the text sort of, like the, the plot mixed in with all this, like, ooh, the movie's the best thing you've ever seen since sliced bread. Like, holy shit. Like, I love it. I love it. It's so, it's so also, corny and campy. I love it. It's also on fake parchment paper that's on clearly another background. Yes, so like, a, like, a, like a leather bound book. It's pretty badass. Scroll. Yeah, I did. I did crop this from the original cover so that we didn't have a lot going on. And you actually didn't have to use a magnifying glass, but still pretty good. I can feel the texture of the parchment paper from off of the VHS back from here. It's like a Microsoft Office texture. It's like, oh, yeah, look at those raindrops on that window. Love it. The scales on that tortoise. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Quentin Durwood. The Adventures of Quentin Durwood, that is. I will let yes, you sir. finish this off, Chris. You don't want to do this one? I want you to do this one. Wow, I'm honored. Thank you. We're going to do all the paragraphs for this one. I knight thee, Sir Christopher of Danbury. Thank you, sir. From Sir Walter Scott's sword, flashing tale of adventure. In a thunderous new era of weaponry, the shield and blade are no match from the, for the gun. Yet Quentin Durwood, trained in knighthood and skilled in the lance, bow, and sword, will not yield. How many are you? asks a foe, startled by the knight's valor. How many do you want? he replies. Robert Taylor stars in a burnished spectacle akin to his Ivanhoe and Knights of the Round Table, sent from Scotland to France. Quentin allies with King Louis XI, Robert Morley, champions a lovely countess, Kay Kendall, and defends all against the scoundrel called the Beast of Ardennes. Among the highlights, Quentin and the Beast's climactic duel, while each combatant hangs from the ropes of a burning bell tower. Exclamation point. Hey, we like punctuation here at the Searchers, guys. Period. <laughs> there was no period, though. You liar. <laughs> but yes, good, good job reading. That was that one was a little light. That was from the back of the DVD because. Yes. Well, DVDs I, are lighter I, I, than VHSs, so. As I showed Christopher, when you guys can't see on camera because you can't use your imaginations, you're all creative people. I got the Blu-ray here of Ivanhoe and the two DVDs of the other two movies and the VHS of Ivanhoe because that's how I roll. You roll but, like a VHS tape, baby. Yes. Very smooth and a little clunky at times. <laughs> <laughs> Great analogy. So before we get into any opinion, I'll finish it off with Ivanhoe. We, we kind of gave all the technical details besides these. Ivanhoe won three, well, no, it was nominated, rather, for three Oscars in 1953. Knights of the Round Table was nominated for two in 1954, and then Durwood was nominated for none in 55. Or sorry, I guess, it, I guess it would be 56, because the movie's 55. Correct. And uh, Durwood had some French 
filming locations. We forgot to mention that as well. So yeah, I think that's all. And, that's all out of the way. Well, generally, okay. So a few more things. Ivanhoe and Knights of the Round Table were box office successes. Yes, Durwood was not. Okay, so that's just for people to grasp their minds around. You had Technicolor for the first two movies, and Durwood was Eastman color, which is noticeable at times. I it think. is. It, it is it's noticeable. Not, it's not as poppy. Like the the other two are like super colorful, like greens, blues, a lot of reds, yellows. I mean, all those yes. colors, like like the the knights are wearing whatever fabric, like whatever color they have, you know, that represents them, and it, it pops all on the screen. It's great to look at. It definitely does. And then this movie, Durwood, bears the same aspect ratio as Knights of the Round Table, which is 16-9, and Ivanhoe is the odd man out for for aspect ratio. And yeah. then cinema the for the cinematography, this was Cinemascope just like Knights of the Round Table, yeah. and Ivanhoe was the odd man out there for anybody. Yeah, the wanting it's, to know it's that the standard old Hollywood four three, just like, you know, tube TV aspect ratio is exactly as I, as I like to refer to it. Which exactly. I, I don't think hurts it at all. No, I don't think it does either. So we have a lot of different ways we could go about skinning this cat, Christopher. Meow. Meow. Yes. I was going to do... The searchers were going to cover the adventures of Quentin Derwood only. We were going to skip the other two, and I was like, you know what? Let me try to sell this to Chris. He's got to watch all three, because I'm going to watch all three, and he's more of a movie nerd than I am. He's seen so much shit, it's ridiculous. Wow, you're dubbing me with that title? Movie nerd? Come on, Brug. <laughs> Brugs, Brug. Brug. Bruh. It, it yes. was brew, and I said bruh, okay? It's, it's, it's 2023, it's okay if I say bruh. But yes. It's just, like in that, it's just like in that South Park episode where they're in the parking lot, and Randy... Just wants to have a bro fight. And they're trying to throw down. Randy, don't take your khakis off. Put those khakis <laughs> back on. You want to fight me, bro? Bro, you want to fight, bro? They just keep going back and forth and their hands are out ready to wrestle. What are you going to fight a boot? <laughs> yeah. First South Park reference. This is good. This is good. South Park? I was referencing South Park. Were you referencing tra- Trailer Park Boys? Yes. Oh, you're talking about re- the wrong Randy. Oh, my gosh. I, I didn't never even know. realize. I didn't even realize that those two characters were both named Randy. That is amazing. Yes, Randy Marsh. I went to a South Park. Yeah. yeah. You went to South Park in Colorado? I, to, I didn't go to South Park, Colorado. I just went to the <laughs> reference. I don't, I don't think it exists, but it's fine. Yes. So let's cover this in the way that... So you watched it the same order I did, right? Nice to the Round Table, Ivanhoe, and then Durwood, right? No. I did not watch it that way. Damn it. I watched the movies Knights of the Round Table, Quentin Durwood, then Ivanhoe. So you watched the best one last. Good, good, good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold that. So we'll cover Knights of the Round Table first because it's kind of not the best. And we'll get that out of the way. We both agree that it's not the best out of the three films. So, yes, we'll cover that one first. Arthurian Camelot kind of tale, you know, English legend, myth myth whatever i don't really have anything i don't have much to say about this movie i mean the the cinematography is good the production design is great but the story is just completely lacking i I think the i think ava gardner 
and uh, I forget her name. I don't have it in front of me, but the something Crawford, the uh, the lady who plays uh, Morgan, Morgan is, I think it's something Crawford, right? Four Knights of the Round Table. Hold on. Please hold, hold, hold. hold. Anne Crawford as yeah. Morgan Le Fay. Another lady who died young from, I, I believe, cancer. Fuck cancer, man. Um, I think they're Ava Gardner and that lady who was not in too many movies. Um, I think their roles were the best. I think they did the best. Uh, Robert Taylor. So got to drop it on the pod. Robert Taylor and C- Kevin's not here. What a It's blasphemy that C- Kevin's not here. It's ridiculous. So Kevin, Kevin! Um, Robert Taylor was married to Barbara Stanwyck. Did you know this, Kevin? Uh, gosh, gosh, Chris, did you know this? I did not know this, and if Kevin had already known this, or if he had watched these movies, I don't think so. He he's not—he's not that big of a Barbara Stanwyck fan if he didn't know that Robert Taylor was married to her. I don't want to throw that on him. I, I don't threw it on claim... him. I did it. Shots fired. Fuck you, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> However, I—I I love you. I love you, Kevin. I love you, Kevin. Yes, I do too. Throw me in that love—that love pool. A love triangle. Love triangle. Boom, boom. I think if Kevin watched these movies and knows that fact, he might not like the movies automatically because well, he might be uh, jelly of Robert Taylor. Oh, he's definitely jelly. Um, Oh, how about this? All right. The true test is we have to get Kevin. We have to get Kevin to sing with a lute and, and wear tights, ride a horse. Very good. You win All the right. part. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm Kevin, guys, and I'm gonna sing the song right now. No. I I can't go as deep as him. He is the deepest. So the I'm point of the, the point of the point of me saying that was Barbara Stanwyck and Robert Taylor were married and their divorce was occurring during the filming of this movie. So I want I want to say Robert Taylor is just like totally. Hey, Barbara Stanwyck got a cover on the pod, so that's the that's the real reason I picked these movies so we could talk about her. Nailed it. Robert Taylor was very disconnected. It felt like from his role, he didn't care. He didn't want to be there, in my opinion. In Four my, nights of the round table. Yes, I think he was very much just like going through the motions. I think you're right, and I've agreed on everything you said so far about Knights of the Round Table. Story is lacking. Costumes, production design pops. Big problem. I'm going to cut you off. Big problem sure. that I just remembered. Mel Ferrer's mm-hmm. Arthur, such a pussy. Like, no, Arthur is supposed to be a badass and like he's supposed to be betrayed, but he's not supposed to be like a wimp. And he's kind of which wimpy. is which is a shame because Mel Ferrer, the actor and the guy like it's actually he's a good actor. I consider him a good actor from what I've seen him in. And this is probably on the low end of what I've seen out of his ouvoir. I've not seen much, but I believe he's in Rounders, the old man who gives uh Oh wow, you're going to the end of his career. Yeah, he was old, but he had like lit- I believe it was him. I fact check me, I don't care folks, but he had the biggest bushy eyebrows of all time. Like they were literally like <laughs> going into his mouth. They were so long. It was crazy. But yeah, no, I I think his acting was fine. I just think that a lot of the way he was portrayed, the he was portrayed or written terribly. And that ruins any Arthur, Arthurian, that is, story. Because Arthur's supposed to be this guy who goes through a bunch of different... It, it's like Odysseus. He's supposed to go through all these tri- 
trials and tribulations to be then come this like a badass king who's like worthy of his throne. And here he's like already he kind of becomes king like in five minutes. It's like one of the first scenes. Oh, and that scene with Mordred and like him pulling the sword out of the stone. Right. What what, what do you call that? thing that's happening with like the film where they're lay- laying the film over the other film and it looks so bad in that one scene you know what i'm it's talking a, about that overlay like a, technique yeah it's a filtering thing with it was all photography awful. but yeah. regardless arthur's like i'm king five minutes into the movie and then he's just like oh cuck me bro for the next hour and a half like it was awful he goes and i'm I, king brug i'm king but but yeah i i prefer so the whole point of me getting to this is the movie is not bad in terms of how it looks or the production. Like it's worth watching at least once, but are I'd, there I'd any, agree with that statement. are there any other, let's get this movie out of the way. Are there any other tales of Camelot that is that you prefer? I don't know if I'd prefer it. Oh, you prefer it, but <laughs> I'll tell you, okay, maybe I do prefer. It. I'll tell you why only slightly. I just recently watched a movie called Sword of the Valiant from 1984. And it stars Sean Connery. Sean Connery. As the Green Knight. It's a take on the Green Knight. Uh, not the not the A24 film, that movie's. Well, right. it's it's based on the same story. So it's, it's, pro- it's probably better because you got Sean Connery just beating women. Well, he's. He's dressed up. He's dressed up in like glitter and the <laughs> most most insane green costume. I've you know ever what seen. I'm referencing, right? No, the, Bar- the Barbara Walters interview where she's like, "Sean, in the past, I can't do her voice, guys. Sorry, but in the past, like you said that beating women's okay." And he's like, "Yes, I do not take that back, Barbara. Barbara, I will beat you. I will beat you right here, Barbara." <laughs> I don't think I know that. I didn't think oh, I know that. It's on. Interview. It's on. It's on YouTube. It's fantastic. Oh, man. It, it is cr- it's crazy, but he if Sean Connery was alive when Harvey Weinstein got canceled, he would have been immediately me too'd. Guaranteed. I think he was alive. He only died two years ago. Three years no, ago. No way. Are you sure? Yeah, Connery Connery was Connery lived. Alright, well maybe they're like maybe they're like, this dude's ninety years old, like we're not gonna fuck with him. But I will say that definitely a womanizer. If you don't know what he looks like in Sword of the Valiant, you need to go immediately look up photos of his costume because when I say he is covered in glitter and he he looks almost like a shoe in for the Jolly Green Giant on, on your on your vegetable pecan, I would say that that is almost exactly correct. So I watched that movie and what that about, is what about first night with Connery, the nineties movie? I actually have not seen that movie, but yes, he's uh he's Arthur there and uh, okay. an old an old one, but and Richard Gere is is Lancelot, so you know how that's gonna go. It's gonna be like an ex uh, erotica movie, probably. Okay, get a little uh, what do they call that? Gigolo vibes. Ooh, here's some Richard <laughs> Gere action, baby. <laughs> American Gigolo. He starred in that movie. Hey, this is British Gigolo. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, and, okay. I, I, I definitely just completely derailed you. <laughs> it's fine. For Jigglos, worth it. To answer your question about how many King I, Arthur or Arthurian other things I have seen, I would also I would like to give a shout out to Looney Tunes. There are at least two episodes that they covered with Bugs 
uh, opposing Yosemite Sam in that style with and the y- King Arthur is, story. Is Yosemite the, uh, is he Mordred? I don't know exactly which character he plays because it's been so long, but I have seen the episodes. You'd have to go and watch them. Uh, yeah, I, I believe you. I, I would like to watch them. They're always fun. My other connection was to the 1984 video game called Joust because it's about jousting. Although in the video 1984? Yes. Did you ask your mom to play with you? Because we know she loves I, video games. Yes, sir. My mother and it was a video game my dad played too because they. Oh my gosh. That was a this, troll joke, and it is true. That's awful. It is, it is the, <laughs> it's, the truth. No, no, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, the Joust video game, if you've never played it, <laughs> it's it's one of the more entertaining uh, pixel pixelated like 8-bit eight, eight games where your character is riding an ostrich, and you just you, you charge. You're jousting. And I, find, I have fond memories of playing that game, so that's my other... I don't know if it's actually based on King Arthur. I would say it would have to be sort of adjacent to it because there's jousting in it. And then while I was watching Knights of the Round Table, I would say that I would have much rather have been watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail, even though that Knights of the Round Table is not a comedy. I think Monty Python and the Holy Grail is just a supreme film in every way. They definitely got inspired by uh taylor the the scene in, when taylor gets his head cut off in this movie and he's like she's just a flesh uh-huh. wound yeah uh-huh. they, they, def- yes. they definitely stole that for sure those guys the monty python crew have definitely they definitely watched these movies when they were growing up um or as young adults definitely and ivanhoe this quentin durwood anything 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. speaking and of that va- speaking of the valiant what was the valiant movie you, you said was what was it called sword of the valiant sword of the valiant did have mm-hmm. you seen Prince Valiant or the, I think it's Prince Valiant with James Mason? Or you've heard of it? No, I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. I've not seen it either, but it's one of the lists because same era. But I, I just I like that vibe. Ivanhoe has set the vibe. I like just that vibe, and I want something to live up to it, and it never does. From that, it's a good vibe. Time. It's a good vibe. I do want to shout out another film that production design is definitely lower. Like it's a lower budget for sure. Um, is but it I, schlo- I like. Is it schlocky? It, it's not really schlocky. It just appeals to me. It's it sort of, it is. I think it also carries a little bit of the King Arthur story, but it it mixes with um. It mixes a little bit more with like Dungeons and Dragons. It's got more of the magic involved. The film is called The Magic Sword from 1962. I want to see that. And isn't Basil isn't Basil Rathbone in that? Yes. I want to see yes. that movie so bad. It's got character actor Gary Lockwood, which no shade if I'm calling him a character actor. I really like Gary Lockwood. Um, he plays a character named Sir George. But it's a great little film because it's it's just wacky. So like I don't expect an Ivanhoe from this, Ben, when you go into it. It has the elements of a night tale in it, but there's a lot more wacky stuff that happens. And um, it's definitely more of a comedy also. And... The Magic Sword was directed by a gentleman named Bert I. Gordon, who um, I want to just give a shout out to because he just passed away in March at the age of 100. That is impressive. Yeah, my man was he was alive up until two months ago. We're recording in May 2023. He died in March 2023. So 
Um, he had lived to the century mark, which, uh, you know, tip my hat to him. And I think those are all of the similarities I really have with the King Arthur related stories. Yes. Um, so, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if the Danny Kaye film, The Court Jester, counts. It's definitely a, a parody of, of these type of films. A Court parody, Jester, but it's a good film. The Court Jester is funny. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's classic Danny Kaye with the tongue twisters doing his uh, song and dance. What he's, he's good just at. Do, he's like climbing walls and like flying. Like, you know, he's doing the Quentin Durwood thing where he's like swinging through, swinging from, well, you know, thing to thing with like uh, the, the, the banister. What do they call that? Yes. Dra- drapery or whatever. Yeah. From the long curtains. Yeah. Yes. It, it's, it's good. Agreed. To kind of piggyback on your answers. I like the, the King Arthur movie with Clive Owen. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, it, it's good. It's action. It's an action. Like it's a, it's like schlocky action kind of, but it's just kind of one of those movies. My brothers and I grew up on. It's not great, cool. but it, it's not great, but it's worth checking out one time. And it's got like, again, can't pronounce his name. Who's the guy? Iano Grafud or whatever the the British guy who played fantastic Mr. Fantastic. I, we okay. we can never. This has come up before in the pod, and we can't think of. I can't pronounce his freaking name. But uh, I'd, I'd have to look him up. But Horatio, we'll just... Horatio Hornblower came up in Big Country. He played him in the ITV yes. movie. In ITV movies. Kira Knightley's in it. Uh, we were just talking about not related to Camelot, but we were just talking about before recording. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven, Orlando Bloom. So Kira Knightley's in this one. It's her Kingdom of Heaven. So obviously it's Yay. amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. For all the ladies, we gave an Orlando Bloom shout out. They're all just dropping their panties right now. Come on. Oh, stop. stop. That was Mad- so 2003. Matt. Come on, man. Get it right. It was 2004. Okay. <laughs> Troy, Helen of Troy, like Orlando Bloom got her. Okay. Okay. He okay. he got it. He got it. Check me. Check me. Um, but yeah, and that movie just has like Mads McKelson, Joel Egerton, Ray Winston. It's got all these British guys from like the nineties and early two thousands. Like guy, that guy Richie crowd. You know, the guy Richie crowd. So worth checking out. Not the best movie of all time, but Camelot uh, adjacent. Uh, Merlin with Sam Neill. It was like a TV miniseries, I believe, or maybe it was sick. I think it was a miniseries. Maybe it wasn't. I think it was. That's again. I remember that yeah. being released on TV as like a five-year-old. It was like something I watched with my dad because it was like it was like one of those big releases. Like, oh, it's 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 on TV, and guess what? It's on fucking Tubi, of course. Tubi. Now I gotta go watch it, but uh, that's good and. Another shout out. We've had a few shout outs this uh, episode, but Bryant Tyler likes Excalibur, the John Borman, the John Borman movie. Very I have to good. See it. That's probably, in terms of the the serious ones, it's the best one. Cool. Highly recommend that. What, what what's that one movie like the the kid in King Arthur's Court? Is that a thing? In the 90s i feel like that's a thing i got nothing <laughs> sorry uh no it's fine there's there's a bunch of like parodies and like kids movies that 
you know, Quest for Camelot, stuff like that, that, I mean, Monty Python's a parody off of this, but I think there's a lot of King Arthur stories that are worth checking out. They're just, none of them are like up to par with Excalibur. Excalibur is the most serious one. It's the most philosophical and just, it's, you know what? You should go, everyone should go read Bryant Tyler's review on Letterboxd because it's long as shit and explains everything that I want to say and does it better. Says it eloquently. And I like how we just spent, like, oh, it's going to be, let's just get this out of the way. And it took us 10 minutes, but it's fine. It's fine, guys. It's fine. I did watch one more night movie. Uh I, I just want to mention, okay? And then we can be done and we can talk about the three movies and what we think about them. Uh, it's called The Sword and the Dragon from 1956. It's a Russian medieval fairy tale. Flex. And yes. And I Flexing really liked it. Us. I liked it. It's the trailer is actually pretty cool. It's it's very simple. It's a simply simple made uh, trailer. And if you know anything about Russian fairy tales made in like the 50s or 60s, there's a very unique stylistic stylistic choices that are made. And uh, if you've, if you've seen one, you know what I mean? I just, I can't describe it all that well, but it's almost like there's a lot of slow-mo really good practical effects. Um, anyway, highly recommended the sword and the dragon from 1956. All right. So there's Knights of the round table. Watch at your own, you know, are we rating you- now? Sure, let's rate it. Let's get it out of the way. I will let you I, go first, Chris. Okay. Knights of the Round Table. Score out of five. I'm giving it a two out of five. That shot's fired. Is it really, though? We both didn't like it. I mean, we didn't love it compared to the three, but I, I it's giving credit for the production design and the music. Absolutely baseline, good stuff. It lacks too much of a story. And I don't think the acting is the best in it either. I, I prefer the acting in Ivanhoe and Quentin Durwood. Yes, yes. No, I agree. I gave it a 5.5. So you gave it a a 5.5 out of 10. Because 10, so Chris sorry, and I like giving different rating systems. Yeah, you got you gave we it a can never, We can never match up. When fuck I, uh, you give a fuck letterbox five, rating system. I like 10. It's easier, Chris. Damn it. You do like your 10 with your decimals. It's right under a five. It's it's an average movie. I believe we can round up to it. Let's say it's a the searcher score for Nice of the Round Table is a five out of ten. Is that fair? It's average. That's fair. That's fair. Yes, sir. All right. So moving on. I think for these next two movies, we don't really have too much to, to talk about other than maybe what we have praise for. Um, we do have a scene that we want to show from each of them, though. And we will do Ivanhoe's first. Sure, let's do Ivanhoe. So the scene that we picked from Ivanhoe. Healing Ivanhoe. I'll do a little segue here. Well, before you segue, I'm going to cut off your segue because screw you. No. Thanks. I I really want to plug this. This scene we're about to show is the aftermath of a jousting sequence that is literally like, it's probably the best joust. You know, Knight's Tale, screw Heath Ledger. We don't want any of that. No one cares about Knight's Tale. This is the quintessential Yakima Kanut directed jousting on location in England. 
they built a freaking mini town just for this sequence. It's like five minutes in the film. Eh, it's probably like 10 minutes. It doesn't get more real is what we're it, saying. I mean, there's guys flying off horses. They're getting hit for real. Like stunt, it's pretty cool. It's stunt yeah. work. It's not like CGI bullshit. So uh, what was it? What is our time? 46 minutes into the movie. All right. All right. Um. So the segue before you yes, hit sir. play. You're good. This scene that we're seeing is post. It's a post jousting scene. Robert Taylor is. Um, what's the right word? Um, indisposed at the moment. And it's a scene between the two leading ladies, Elizabeth Taylor and Joan Fontaine. And I think it's an it's a you can't see, obviously, because we're we're a podcast. So you're just listening to them talk. But you just, it's you a just great. Gave, you just gave you just gave Amy more ammunition. Oh, it should be visual, guys. It should be on video. No, no. It's anyway, it's uh, <laughs> as if she's listening right now. Whoa, so <laughs> that's real shots fired. Elizabeth Taylor and Joan Fontaine are it's a it's a good physical scene because you can see in their body language what's what's going on. They both are in love with Robert Taylor's Ivanhoe and uh, they're they, they're concerned for his well-being. medicine by Miriam of Manassas, and I can heal him. Miriam of Manassas? But she was a witch. They burned her at the stake. Yes, my lady, as they well may burn me too. But the point of de Brassi's lance is still deep within that wound. If it is probed for here, not even you could answer for his life. How can I be sure that what you tell me is the truth? Shall I argue with you while he dies? I can heal him, my lady. If you can say the same, take him. If you cannot, stand aside. Stand aside for you. No, my lady. Or I don't know. How did you come to know him? My father knows him, my lady. Not I. Where will you take him? To my father's house in Sheffield. I leave him in your care. I shall not fail him. May I send his squire for the litter? Do as the lady bids, Wamba. Yes, my lady. Swear to me his wound will mend. His wound will mend. You love him. Why, I told you I hardly know him, my lady. shall I know how he fears? I will send word to you by his squire, my lady. I will await it. And there you have it. 
two excellent leading ladies doing their thing. And it's a, it's a great little scene. Yeah, I, I agree. It's good. And, uh, to follow up on what Chris said, indisposed means he, he was, um, unconscious cause he just got hurt during the, the jousting. So spoilers kind of, it's all good as, uh, Elizabeth Taylor unrelated by blood said he doesn't, he's not, he's going to heal. It's fine. Way to stipulate that. I'm proud of you, buddy. Yes, sir. And so, it's good. I mean, I just have my one problem with the movie is Joan Fontaine. I that that scene was good, but I I, I think in other scenes where you need this like really good female presence to counteract the lead, the lead guy. I mean, she just doesn't have it. I think Elizabeth Taylor really pulls her weight and like is is making up for it. That's just my opinion. That's cool. I I want to say that I enjoyed them both pretty equally. I, I don't think one really did better than the other in my eyes, but that's fair. I mean, that's, we're just picking the nitty gritty at that point. I mean, the way that, yeah, the way they framed Elizabeth Taylor, they definitely were pulling one star power because they made her seem, like I said, again, pre pre-recording pretty angelic. Like the way they had the light always like kind of at her back and yes, like, like they almost like a halo around her. Yes, Definitely. They were definitely trying to evoke and I don't know if, emotions. I don't know if that's an MGM thing trying to like build on her star power because this is 52 and I'm pretty sure she was just starting her. Yes, career. she was getting hot. She was getting hot in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Hot. So this is <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Ivanhoe before we get? Yeah, I, mean, I, I could go forever. I My. That's I know my, you like this one. It's no, I like this one a lot. We'll rate it, but my my real besides the I, I think the melodrama is done very well. The balance between the 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 jousting and Ivanhoe's rivalry with um what's his name, the Gilbert the Gilbert the yeah Dubois Gilbert yeah and I want to do since we have it already going, I kind of want to show the scene where. They're about to fight at the end. Spoilers. Ooh, um, okay. So, as I said before, Yakima Kanut is the one, the second unit director for this film. And at the end, after all the swashbuckling in the middle sections, the castle siege, which again, the ca- uh, I never, I didn't bring it up before, but the castle castle siege, they. The producers of the fi- this film had so much money and were flush with cash. They're like, oh, you know what? The castles in Britain aren't going to cut it. We're going to build our own castle. They built their castle to film this freaking movie. Wild. I mean, it had to be a lot of money. That's tight. So they, they had this castle siege. Uh, Robin Hood is in this movie. I brought up. I'm just hitting all the points, people, as they come to my mind. So this is kind of a stream of consciousness. Hit him, baby. Con- consciousness. But Robert or Robin Hood, um, Loxley, as he's known in this movie, his kind of second in command definitely reminds me of a guy. You have you seen Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger? I have. So who's the who's the British the fat pudgy British guy? Do you know his name? You know what I'm talking about, know, right? I know exactly who you're talking about. He's not Prince. Or, uh, he's not Little John, but in this movie, he's not Little John. But in Knight's Mark Tale, Addy. yeah, Mark Addy, like just jovial fat. I, British man with a great accent and always has a, a nice line. 
there's that same character in this movie, like that the guy. Uh, his name's not Little John, but he's Little John for all the, all intents and purposes. Yes, but that's just an aside. There's a castle siege in this movie that is epic. It, it definitely evokes the Errol Flynn Robin Hood movie with all the arrows flying and just all the costume work and so so many uh, extras and the, the direction. The action's great. Final duel. Yaki Mokunut subverts expectations, and there's not a sword fight, but rather a mason, a ball and chain, or mason chain, whatever you want to call it, an axe fight, which is badass, and it's on, on it's on horses, it's on horseback. Costumes. Yeah, so we're not going to show the fight, but I want to show the, just the intro to the fight, which I think, if I press play, it's going to work. And this is the guy announcing. As master of the lists. I hereby charge ye that if either combatant violate the laws of chivalry, I will cry foul craven, and upon the casting of my truncheon to the ground, the offender shall instantly be slain by the royal bowman. And the music, just the, the swells here are great. Once I enter these lists in combat, I must maintain my name in arms. And if I do so, Ivanhoe dies quickly, and then you, in such pain as they say, is in store for the guilty hereafter. If I withdraw now, Ivanhoe wins by default, and you both will live, while I shall fall from grace, a degraded knight without fame and without honor. All this I would endure if you would say, Bois Gilbert, I turn from Ivanhoe to you. We are all in God's hands, Sir Knight. Then count your life by seconds, and the Saxon's life as well. Since you ride for the court, Bois choose first. What arm do you elect to bear? I bear mason chain this day. Your foe declares for close combat. This denies to you the lance. Therefore, elect from axe or blade. I choose the axe. So yeah, that's all I wanted to show. I mean, the the action in this movie is epic, in my opinion. I I think it's really the, great. The pomp and circumstance around it is what makes it. I think where you have like the beating drum behind them declaring their intent and their motives, and then picking their weapon of choice. Pretty cool. And the fight, not to spoil anything, but it's brutal. It is brutal. For for the fifties, you don't expect to see this kind of stuff. So that's my shtick with Ivanhoe. One of my childhood favorites. Grew up on this movie. It's probably the first movie I remember that's medieval. Like that's that was my first like introduction into this type of genre and type of story. So with that Solid. said, I'll rate first. Uh because you rated first last time, Christopher. Oh, how awesome of you. I'm I'm 
raising my rating to a nine out of ten. Oh man, classic! Nine out of it is a, nine it is a out classic. of ten. Yes. Ooh, wow. I so I like not to spoil what I'm going to say for Quentin Durwood. Durwood was my favorite of the three, and I think spoilers. Well, I didn't. I didn't watch them in that order. So like I I didn't watch Ivanhoe Knights Durwood. It was Knights Durwood Ivanhoe. Um, and I think I I enjoyed this movie. I did. So I think this one is in between Knights and Durwood, obviously. And it's above average, absolutely. I think between this movie and Knights, they both Knights Knights had a lot of the jousting, correct? That had more jousting than this movie. Or did this movie no, I can't remember. This one this is what more. I mean. This one had more jousting. They blend. Or, they blend. They, they really do. That's there's a lot of horses. In, there's a lot of horses in that movie, but this one had the joust like ten minute section of like. And this one also had. I mean, this one I think was the only one that had horses with costumes too. I, unless if knights also. No, knights did. Knights did. Knights did too. Okay. Same costume designer Roger K. First, I believe is his name. First, from yeah, memory, so, I'm not looking at my notes. So for me, this movie, I agree with you. It has a great. Uh, final battle scene. The jousting is awesome. Um, the melodrama. My, the melodrama. I really like both of the leading ladies. Like, I don't have a problem with Joan Fontaine. Um, I actually don't think I fully agree with the melodrama. I think it's a step up from Knights, but I don't think it's like hitting on all cylinders still. Okay, fair enough. And and um, we already said the final scene. Jousting is awesome. And it's it's equivalent production design and music from Knights. Maybe it's a step it's a step up. So my rating is a three out of five for Ivanhoe. So a six out of ten, Chris. Yes. Yes. Chris can't Chris can't multiply by two guys. That's the real problem here. <laughs> Stop. I'm trying to give you the right rating. Are we doing letterbox or you want you want out of ten? Okay. Durwood, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Six. you out of ten. Oh yeah, yes, sure. Reading. He's gonna subvert expectations yet again. Uh, Stop it! All right, so it's a seven out of ten searcher score. Recommend, in my opinion. Which seven and up, I would say, is a recommend for sure. Yeah. Um, for sure. Chris is wrong. It's higher than a seven. Or sorry, it's higher than a six. I think it could go up on a rewatch. I I think I'm a little hesitant only because I watched all three of these so close together. My appreciation for Durwood out does my come back come back in a year or two yeah yeah we'll see i I rediscovered this i mean it's been it's been years right not that not this one but the three years ago was my first time in a long time okay 10 10 or 15 years and i was like wow yeah this is a very um what's the right word easy it's approachable it's a very approachable movie so i i could see returning to this pretty easy in another year or two for sure yeah and the run times it's under two hours i think nights nights of the round table was close to two hours like way too long but this one is under two hours and i don't know i think it i think it flows pretty well derwood's even shorter which i really appreciate yes so speaking of derwood yeah let's go there let's, let's, let's go finish there. this up let's finish this up let's, 
let's uh let's put a bow on this thing um so for durwood we also have a scene that we want to share from durwood and this is toward the end of the movie and it's when it's it's either the uncle or they're a cousin they're cousins to each other the actors names i think it's robert morley and i can't remember the other actor's name unfortunately uh it's it's a no name i think right no he's not a no name uh no robert morley and alec clunes never heard of that guy who is that guy he's the duke of burgundy sir no no no, i'm saying like what else has he been in i don't know i just know that he's he's the duke of burgundy in this movie the two of them are talking at the end of the movie and it's a great little uh punctuation or beginning half of a punctuation to the end of the movie it's it's cute it's funny this movie Durwood had a i think a better balance in my opinion well i i don't think ivanhoe is actually trying to be funny at all i think Durwood has a great balance of being serious and also being light and ethereal and funny um which makes me appreciate it a little bit more as a movie so you can hit play i can hit play all right. You can apply. You call this negotiating our differences, giving Marcroy to Dunois. Oh, I tell you, this is war. Cousin, we are back where we started. Then let us admit it and take up arms. Wait. I have a revolutionary proposal. A shocking proposal. Let us stand aside, both of us. Let us allow the lady to marry whom she pleases. Marry whom she pleases? I'm too astonished to speak. It's rather an immoral notion. You're up to something. No, I suggest, purely in the spirit of compromise, that is all, the lady is allowed to choose her own husband. With one exception, Dunois. With two exceptions. De Cravier. Agreed. Admit the Countess of Marcroy. If this is one of your outrageous tricks, Hey, Kendall. Your Majesty, Your Grace. Who do you want to marry? Why do you ask when it does not concern you? Quentin Durwood. No, 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 impossible, Countess. You cannot do this to me. Do what, you? Quentin Durwood? Preposterous. No, no. But you agreed. Now, why not? It's ridiculous. He's poor. He's a foreigner. He's honest. I don't trust him. No, no. I demand there must be three exceptions. You are ridiculous. Cousin, must I tell you? He abominates me. I confess he's a man whom I betrayed once, very slightly. No, no, I cannot consent. By all the saints, you will consent. Caught in your own trap. You will stand by our agreement. I'm lost. Very well, I agree. (laughs) Take your man quickly and be gone. Thank you, Your Majesty. Yeah, so that scene right there. Yes. Robert Morley. Robert Morley is just great. It's great facial reactions. It's great subtle he was, comedy. He, he was lying. Uh, he, yeah. he was he was putting on a front to his cousin, his the other guy, being yes. like every it was it was reverse psychology one hundred and one. Exactly, and it's maybe that's. Uh, you you love that nowadays, but I, I, I Robert Morley 
did a great job pulling that off. So I wanted to show the listeners that scene because I think your, he does a great job. Is this your first Robert Morley movie? I've actually seen, I haven't seen the whole movie, but I've seen scenes from the one off the top of my head that I can't even name off the top of my head. It's the one he was Oscar nominated for. I think it was a uh, 1939 movie. African Queen? No, that's the 51. No, that was later. Oh my gosh. Well, while he's looking for that, I saw him recently in the last few months uh, in High Road to China with Tom Selleck. And he was like the bad guy, but the bad guy was like just this rich dude who like sat in a house and was like paying other people to go chase Tom, uh, Tom Selleck. And oh, really? Yeah. It, like, he just had all these scenes where he's like berating and just like abusing the hell out of his uh, like basically like assistant slash servant. I mean, it was like a a guy doing, you know, the guy hiring all the bad dudes. He was yes. just abusing him. And he's just like this rich guy in, in this mansion. And it, I loved him in this movie. Robert Morley is the MVP of Quentin Durwood to me. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so I'm glad that I picked the scene that shows him and he, doing Robert, his... Robert Morley f- reminds me of, like, a slightly skinnier and ta- slightly taller Charles Lawton. Like... Yeah, fair like, enough. Like, dickish, but funny. But Lawton has more of a Cockney accent. Morley has a more of a proper British accent. Posh. But Yes, posh, posh. Yes, yes. Now, I just... And the eyebrows. So then, I mean, the eyebrows. Eyebrows, are like are his 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 face is very lively. So he sells the whole bit. And the movie I was thinking of was Marie Antoinette from 1938. He was Oscar nominated in that movie. I have not seen the whole thing. It's got um, Norma Shearer and Tyrone Power in it. Also, my boy um, Tyrone. By your boy Ron Ron T Ron T Ron. So yeah, I I like that scene. I am I rating first for this one. We're rating already. I have another hour, man. No, no, it's it's good. Um, I'll rate first. Okay. Just because I said so. Go for I'm, it. I'm kidding. But do before it, we do rate, before we do rate, we have to mention that the 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 finale, the final action scene, is pretty wild. Oh, of course. My favorite part of all. You're welcome. Movies, thank you. My favorite part <laughs> of all three of these movies w- was the final fight scene of this movie it reminded me of hunchback of notre dame in all the good ways not thematically at all just the way that it's set up in a bell tower and the scene kept getting better and better as i was watching it because the set design is awesome i had i was not expecting robert taylor and forgive me i can't remember the guy he's opposing in that scene um just call him the the just call him the bad guy. Oh, you mean the, the character name or the actor's name? Actor's name. Well, both. I don't have I don't have either in my head right now. Count William De Lamarck? Yeah, De Lamarck. So no, never heard of that guy. Duncan Lamont. Who the hell is that? Some some British guy. That part doesn't matter. But the two of them, the choreographing the choreography that went into this scene, top notch. The way the scene is built and blocked, top notch. They're swinging from ropes on a bell tower sword fighting each other this is so the love that you have for that last scene in ivanhoe is like the love i have for this scene in quentin durwood i was continually impressed with every next step of the fight 
because it was going from ledge to ledge, from rope to rope. Um, and it sort of ended in a gruesome way too. Totally appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, 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 yeah, no, it's in, it's in your notes. I I figured you want to talk about it. Appreciate it. That's why we have notes. And we're going long, but we are, we are talking about three movies, three movies. So the only thing I want to say about Quentin Durwood, besides what you already said about the comedy was that it gave me really big, like D'Artagnan from mm-hmm. the three musketeer vibes. Like it's the it's the one musketeer it's the one musketeer movie. Like it's like, oh, it's the pre totally. You know, the, the prequel to the three musketeers. Like it's got the French locations, the 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 costume totally. work and Sir Walter Scott author last thing I'm going to say about anything that we can rate is yes. This movie is the Scots another Scotsman uh cuz Sir Walter Scott is a Scotsman, the author. I, I guess he wrote it in the 1400s. Rob Roy with Liam Neeson is based off of a, a book that he also wrote from the, Ooh, I'm forgetting the, the term. Um, but there was a bunch of novels that Sir Walter Scott wrote and they're part of wa- the Waverly novels, I believe. Okay. From my memory. And Rob Roy is good. The movie with Liam Neeson and it's a nineties movie. Tim Roth is the bad guy. So it's good. And it's Neeson in his prime. And when when we say prime, Liam Neeson after forty, <laughs> like every movie he's good in, he's like forty. He's like just habitually like a forty eight year old for like thirty years. Like he's Fair never a, he's never a young guy. So, Quentin yeah. Durwood, Chris's favorite. What is your rating? I'll let you rate first. I I rate Quentin Durwood eight out of ten. Whoa! Yes, sir. That that is surprising. Well, that is kind of funny since both Ivanhoe and Qu- The Adventures of Quentin Durwood will have the same searcher score because I'm rating it a six. <laughs> Very good. Very so good. The, See, a little, the list, a little different. The, yes, the listeners have to watch both, actually all three, to make sure. To see where they stand. I mean, this is why averages, you know, things average out, which is cool. Very cool to see that you like and prefer Ivanhoe and I prefer Durwood. Um, but it's also cool to see where we line up and where we match on agreeing where these movies are good and where they are not good. Yes. I mean, it's really just down to personal preference and medieval movies. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, like the kingdom of heaven, like, I think that's probably the best one in the century. Then you got Braveheart, stuff like that. But back in the fifties, there, there were so many freaking epic, like historical movies that, yeah. How the hell are you supposed to know which is good? So we just gave you two tonight, everybody, that you should check out. Nice to the round table. Two out of three. Skip. And you might like Nights of the Round Table, but I would say skip it and just watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which it's a totally different medieval movie than everything else we've mentioned on this but pod you get, tonight. You get the gist. I mean the joust. I mean the gist. Uh, uh, ooh. Uh, uh, nice. uh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now that you say that, I want to watch Monty Python on the plane to Italy. Like, you totally Seriously. should. And please keep me updated on how you enjoy it. What, Italy or the movie? <laughs> movie. Oh, yeah. See, Chris doesn't care about Italy at all. That's no, so you can rude. tell me about Italy, too. So right. rude. No, it's good. It's I expect, good. I expect you to give me a full rating scale on every meatball that you have. I hope they're spicy. 
there you better at least have one spicy meatball yes I, i'll have one but uh yeah with that folks we we there are our thoughts on ivanhoe nice of the round table the adventures of quentin durwood all directed by richard thorpe starring robert taylor hope you enjoy if you ch- end up checking them out they are available on blu-ray for ivanhoe dvd for the other two and they're all available on rent to rent from you know amazon google youtube etc please rate us at the searchers podcast at gmail.com not rate us email us a mailbag sorry rate us at spotify or apple we appreciate any feedback all feedback tell us we suck and we're just under 90 minutes so just like a movie there you go that's the perfect movie length 90 minutes i've been saying that for 27 episodes i think one for three one for three yes or three for one Three for one. one. Or one for all. (laughs) Or one for all. Very good. Slow clapping for you right now. I don't hear it. You probably won't. I've tried to clap before, and these microphones don't pick it up for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't They don't. You're right. Yeah. That's so bizarre. And it's like a pop filter. Built-in pop filter. Built-in pop filter, baby. All right. Well, if all of that you heard sucks, at least go play the the, uh, Go play the video game Joust with chris's mom because it it will be awesome if there's a base minimum requirement go play the 1984 video game absolutely go joust all right when and with that i say adieu sir arrivederci arrivederci thanks for listening to the searchers podcast if you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies, you can find us on Letterboxd, Ben at Giant13, Chris at Ziglet underscore Mer, and me at Kevin Chan. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on searchersfilmpodcast.podbean.com. Until next time, people. <laughs> <laughs>